talked to Art Smith because Art Smith has one chopped a couple of times. I called him and I was like, Art, what do you, what do you do? What did you do? Like, how did you get ready? And he said, I did what I know how to do. He said, it's going to be a lot of impressive stuff in there. If you don't know how to use it, don't try. He was like, stay true and authentic to who you are. Right. And that kept ringing in my head. Be authentic. Be authentic. And when I went in that chop kitchen with everything you can think of at your disposal, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I own a micro business. You know what I mean? So I was like, I don't have an ice cream machine. I don't have, you know, I don't have all these things. I have a food processor. I have a blender, you know, and if you watch the show, those are the two things that I focus with, you know, the two things I use, right? So, um, and that, but that was the thing that kind of just kept ringing in my head. From Fiori Communications, it's How I Got Here a show of inspiring stories from Tallahassee area leaders, business owners, and neighbors, all the challenges, opportunities, inspirations, the twists and turns of life that led them to where they are today. Everyone has a story worth telling, and I am really grateful that we get to bring a few of them to you. I truly have been changed by my conversations with these amazing people, and I'm confident you will be too. I'm Dave Fiore, and in this episode, I speak with Shakafrica Simmons, better known as Chef Shack. Born in South Florida and the oldest of 11 total siblings, she is an entrepreneur at heart with multiple brands under her Chef Shack LLC umbrella. Before earning two degrees from culinary school, she tried her hand at barbering school and midwifery after a challenging pregnancy. But it was food and how to use it to lift spirits and create opportunity for others that turned out to be her true passion. And it didn't hurt that her unique blend of Southern, Soul, and Bahamian influences has proven to be a winning recipe. In 2017, she defeated three other chefs on Food Network's popular show Chopped. Even with that success, however, the mom of three still struggles to work out the best way to successfully monetize her talents, experience, and heart for the community. Focused primarily on catering and events, her business has been devastated by the COVID-19 pandemic and her professional future remains uncertain. But she has a smile that you can hear and faith that God still has big plans for her life. We started with talking about her early years. I I shouldn't probably even remember this because I was about three, but we lived in Gary, Indiana, like on the edge of Chicago. And um, and my stepdad at the time was, uh, he trained horses he broke horses for polo so um yeah so I I was I've lived in Gary Indiana Birmingham Alabama I was there for 14 years uh back and forth in and out of Tallahassee uh, Mobile Alabama Huntsville Alabama Uh, yeah I've been a lot of of places (laughs) so what is the place that you would call your hometown then when people ask where you're from where do you say uh, Delray, okay. Delray Beach is definitely my hometown. That's where my, um, that's where my roots are. I guess you know my my grandparents, everyone's you know has put their roots down there. Uh, my my mom actually lives in Atlanta, but uh, yeah, 
I, I would say Delray Beach. Okay. And um, what was life like there? Describe what what your childhood in those early years down in um, South Florida was like. Oh, wow. So I remember being at my grandparents' house, and they lived in, uh, they call it Jefferson Manor. And it was one of the, um, I guess, upper level African-American neighborhoods in its time. Okay. Uh, and um, I remember um, fruit trees, you know, climbing trees and playing football in the street <laughs> with the boys. So what is a climbing tree exactly? A climbing tree, like <laughs> climbing trees, mango trees, orange trees. Anything you can get up in, Anything right? we can get up in and shake it to get the fruit off. That's okay. <laughs> So that was the goal, right? That's always the goal, to get the fruit. We got to get to the fruit. So, (laughs) yes, I remember remember a lot of fruit and fresh food being, you know, a part of of my my youth. So, yeah. Um, But my grandfather, very um, Archie (laughs) Bunker-ish in his his, uh, grumpiness, I should say. Right. Uh, He, um, you know, Bahamian man. uh, It was very interesting. So he's a he's a huge part uh, of of my life. Um, But we, me and my mom, live with my grandmother uh, for a little for a little bit. You know, my grandparents, and then um, we moved. Our, you know ourselves a, a couple different places, but it was where my family was. So it was it was everything family. You know, it was everything. Um, I feel like you know it's very interesting in that you know you have this uh, f- kind of family atmosphere, but then it was all the characters in the neighborhood. You know that everyone uh, you know laughed at or or knew and knew their story and and so it was I you know it was colorful you know at the yeah. end of the day it was definitely colorful so kind of close-knit everybody I mean good community to grow up in absolutely great yeah. community to grow up in yeah. yes yes okay so I'm interested a little bit when you said that um you know kind of an upper level economically African-American community because mm-hmm. you're I mean, down in that area, that's about as swanky as it gets, right? <laughs> I mean, Boca, there's a lot of money down there. There's a lot of money down right. there. And I won't say that we had a lot of it. it we didn't have a lot of it. Uh, but I guess in its time, you know, and, I, and when I say in its time, when my, my grandparents um, owned their home, you know, got their home, it was... Uh, that neighborhood, you know, it was the neighborhood to try to get in if you right. were African American and and kind of coming up. And my grandfather, uh, his father, my great grandfather, owned a movie theater, a restaurant, a gas station, you know. So we had, pro- you know, we owned things. The family okay. owned things in the in yeah. the um, city, and so they weren't, you know, desolate, you know. But it was it was good. It yeah. was. <laughs> I mean, we talked about your family. Some tell me about your parents. What? My what, what, you know, t- tell me their story. My mom was a single mom for, for most of my life. And me and her were really close, I guess, in age. She's, she was 18 when she had me. Um, my father, both are from Delray Beach. And um, he wasn't in my life consistently. He was kind of in and out. But, you know, of course, I knew who he was. I would visit his 
parents and, you know, his, his mom's house and hang out over there. But he was, uh, he, I felt like he was like a lifelong student because <laughs> he left to go to college and I was like born. Right. And then he, uh, pretty much stayed away. I mean, I don't, you know, he pretty much stayed. And then, um, when my mom came to college when I was about eight or nine, um, he was still here. He was still, so he had been here like off and on my whole life. And he didn't graduate from college until I came for college. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> so, that is the definition of a lifelong he was student. A, he was a lifelong student. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, he, you know, in, 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 uh, the South Florida women's book, I guess he was handsome. And, you know, so the, the ladies love him. And, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes. He's very political. He's kind of, into you know, he loves politics. And uh, he was at FAMU, uh, for, again, for many years. He went to college here. Uh, was student government president at FAMU uh, for a number of years. And, um, I mean, got a lot of great things accomplished at FAMU. Uh, you know, mentored a lot of uh, young people. Um, and I wish I had had that experience with yeah. him. However, he, he was not that to me, but he, um, you know, he, he's, it was, it was what he felt like, I guess, that he needed, you know, to the, the, uh, praise of others as opposed to his family. And so your mom, you mentioned that you came up here with your mom. So your mom went to FAMU as well. Yes. Right? Yes. My mom came to FAMU. Um, I mean, she, you know, she was pretty diligent in her path. She came. Did her four years and she left. <laughs> it started her actual That's life, right. you know. Right. So, uh, but she the more traditional path. She, she right? took the more traditional path, of course, untraditional in that she was already a mom. Um, and I remember uh, living in Pokinghorn Village uh, before it, you know, was torn down and and all that, and and all the furniture was orange and green and. <laughs> Everything was orange and green. The walls, everything wow. was orange and green. But it was what they called their family housing. Yeah. So uh, families lived there. And, you know, I, I have people in my life right now who we met in Porkinghorn Village uh, that are still, you know, I call my my aunties and, and, and my friends, you know. Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, it was really, it was fun. You know, it was fun living in Porkinghorn. I didn't realize... Um, I didn't realize until I went to school that I was poor, mm. that I had kind of lost that, I don't know, status, I guess you would say, that I had in South Florida, you know, living with, you know, with my grandparents. I mean, my mom had her own home as well, but we never went to like the like Kmart or any, you know, we didn't shop in places like that for clothing, <laughs> right? you know? And, and so when, when I, when I came here, so my mom initially came her first semester by herself. She brought us the second semester. So okay. it was me and my, my um, brother right under me. And she um, was of course, you know, hes- you know, hesitant. It was hard, you know, to bring your kids into that kind of situation. And, I remember wanting new, I had gained some weight and I wanted new clothes. And she was just like, I don't have it. You know, I don't have it. And she had a learner's credit card. 
And she came to the store, even after, you know, asking my dad and you didn't have it. And she was like, okay, this is it, you know. And she maxes out her learner's credit card for me to get, like, some cute clothes for school. Right. And and I see her giving away, like, my beautiful, like, poly flinders and all these different dresses away to my friends because I was at gain too much weight. And... I couldn't wear them anymore. So she <laughs> she was like, you know, this is it. And it was just so it you're was trading heartbreaking. the good stuff for yeah, the less expensive like I, stuff. I right? became like, I don't know, like I was poor. I didn't know. Like, you know. <laughs> so she was living the life of a student, right? She more, was living right? the life of a student, yeah. you know, or, or like, yeah, a student. And yeah. I think that's when I kind of begin my acquaintance with poverty you know mm. because it was we, I didn't know it you know I didn't know it before that and and then going you know going through this these four years with my mom and, and caring for my my brother uh, and then in the while she was here she got pregnant with my my uh, third well it was her third child my second brother but you know just helping to care for for them and right. and, and you know and support her through her uh, her challenge of trying to make our lives better, you know, being able to provide. She had been married, had been abused in the, her first marriage, not by my dad. She had never married my dad. It was mm. someone else. And then deciding that she was going to go to college and quitting her job, you know, selling her house. You know, it was just like this whole yeah. to, 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 to do this thing that she felt would um make our lives, you know, even better. She didn't have to depend on anyone else. You know, right. she wouldn't have to. So what happened after she graduated? You all moved back down? We moved back down to South Florida, um, you know, still living with my grandparents, kind of hopping around, you know, um, to place to place. I think in high school, I ended up going to like four different high schools because hmm. we moved a lot. Um, it was... You know, because again, even though she had that degree, it still was hard, you know, and I, I think a lot of people don't always realize that, that just because you get the degree doesn't mean, you know, you're going to blow up, you know, and you're right. going to have all this money. Yeah, um, for sure. And, yeah. So she worked in um, social services for a while uh, and did some substitute teaching and now has is now a teacher. When she came up here and moved back, you didn't go back to that life of having... Uh, more money. You kind of continued the life of your mom finding jobs that didn't pay as much because mm -hmm. yeah. social work definitely is not a super high paying job. It, it, it does not pay well. Right. So, <laughs> so it kind of was a new kind of new phase of your life. It continued yes, from yes, then on. Yes. Right? I think I felt like I, I, I remember her telling me she was pregnant with my second brother and feeling that things were going to change, you know, as far as me getting what I wanted when I wanted, because I was, very, I, feel, I guess I was spoiled, you know, I, I wouldn't say a brat spoiled, but I was spoiled. <laughs> yeah. And, and when he came, he's so cute, but I was like, oh, he's cute. And I thought he was a cabbage patch. I was like, this is taking back, you know, to the store. You know, like, yeah. you know, like I just remember cabbage patch kids be coming up and you could put them back, you know, they can't, right. you know, so, 
that when I realized that he wasn't going anywhere, <laughs> you know, it became, you know, kind of real like this, you know, and I, and I started feeling it, I think immediately that next Christmas, you know, when everything wasn't mine and, right. and then the, you know, I, I hadn't got a, had another Christmas like, <laughs> like that, <laughs> like my previous Christmas, right. you know, so, um, it, it, I had to grow up. I yeah. had to grow up and I had to uh, take some, yeah, take some responsibility. Yeah. Well, there are more children on the way as far as adding to your siblings, right? Because you ultimately you have 11 yes. siblings. Yes. Yeah. When, when your family was blended, right? So, yeah, so growing up as the oldest, I guess you were a, a little older, but even at 16 when your families were blended, did yeah. you take on some of that responsibility? Did you help your mom with the with all the kids? Absolutely. It did not change. Yeah. <laughs> it did not change much. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just a few more kids added to the to the pot, um, which was fine. No problem. Um I think I've always just had that nurturing spirit anyway. Um, and maybe it was because of having, you know, that responsibility kind of early. And I don't despise it in any way. I was happy to be that person okay. for my mom. I, I don't, you know, people are always like, oh, you know, trauma. It's like, I didn't see it as trauma. I, my mom was committed to doing something to better our family. And I was in a position to help her when no one else would right. and no one else could. So... I did that, you know, I, I feel like I did that. And so, um, it, and I always felt like when you see me and my mom, we look like sisters. We don't look like mom and daughter. So people always thought that because she always looked so young. So they would just be like, oh, is that your little sister? Oh, she's so cute. You know, <laughs> he's like, what? That's no. <laughs> she's like, that's my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so we just had that kind of relationship. She was always, you know, honest with me. And, and I probably had... Uh, some some grown up conversations that many you know young folks twelve and 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 so didn't have to deal with, uh, but I, it was necessary. Right. It, I feel like it was necessary, and when I see the success of my brothers uh, and my siblings, uh, I feel I, I I can take some of that you know with pride. And when they say it, you know, you were like yeah. our second mom. You know, you you helped us, and you know through discipline and. You know, these things helped me to become who I am as a great father. And, you know, because neither of them knew that, you know, neither of my brothers after me knew that right. uh, kind of father. And so and then, of course, with my um, stepfather coming in and uh, again, reinforcing that um, strong father figure yeah. was good. Yeah. So how did you feel about that? Did you get to balance? I know that you did it with a loving heart because you yeah. loved your siblings, you I, loved your mom. You embraced that role yeah. to a certain degree. Sure. But that also means you had to give up being a kid part of that time. So, I mean, yeah. how did how did you balance that? Were there still times where you could go out with your girlfriends and be a kid and have fun? And did you get any of that? Um, <laughs> A little. I got a little of that. I, I, Of course, you know, high school, probably a little bit more. Um, I'm very private, I guess, anyway, but, and then I wouldn't say I had a whole bunch of friends, um, but I feel like I had the valued friends. I didn't have right. like all the extra, you know, just folks who just want to be around to be around. 
but people who I could really call a friend. Sure. And so, um, not like Facebook friends, right? Like real right. Friends, not the face, right? right. I have real friends, yeah. and um, and and of course, being with the you know being with the kids was a it was a balance for me too. We all had to balance, you know. Uh, I was in high school. It was my responsibility to get the kids out. You know, my mom was already on her way to work and had yeah. taken the, the smaller kids. You know, so it was just, it was a, um, we all just had our peace, you know, yeah. that we had to kind of handle. And yeah, growing up and going through, you know, your puberty and, and becoming a young adult and, um, and, and myself, you know, becoming a mom young and marrying young, I married at 18. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, I went, I feel like I, you know, I went from one house to another house. I was, I went from being their mom, you know, second mom, I should say. My mom would kill me for saying that. Their second mom, <laughs> to, right. to going on. Just be real clear mom. about that. Yeah, second like, no, mom. she was mom right. and she right. was a right. nurturing mom and she was a wonderful mom. And, um, and like I said, I think it, it's different when you're explained why, you know, why this needs to happen and why we have to be a team. And making these things happen. Right. And so, um, and she wasn't short on that. She she made sure that I understood why, you know, and um, and it was hard because my father was here. You know, it wasn't, you know, especially when we were in Tallahassee and me having to be so young, caring for my my um siblings, leaving pork and horn, going into uh, I think we ended up staying in the last place we lived here was Joe Lewis Street. The uh, the projects at Joe Louis Street and uh, public housing, and um, go you know just being in that environment. But it was a a great community environment because in that we if we didn't have something, someone else you know in the neighborhood may and 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 so you know it was those kinds of times I think that helped make me who I am. Yeah. You know? Well, when you were in high school, did you were there any activities you were involved in, or did what did you enjoy doing? Yeah, I played basketball. Oh. I was a basketball girl. Yeah. I um, I did a little bit of track shot. I didn't. I wasn't much of a runner per se, but I did like shot put and and, and that kind of stuff. And um, but basketball was my thing. I really thought I was gonna like be in the WNBA. Really? <laughs> and it and it actually came so the WNBA kind of came into existence as I was graduating yeah. from high school. I graduated in 92. And I remember when one of my last games, well not no, it came in a little bit before I graduated from high school. I'll tell you that back. At one of the last games and one of the players heavier than me fell on me, fell on my leg hmm. and messed up my knee. And that was that it. was it. Yeah, well, that's too bad. That was it. But I mean, I coached my kids in basketball. You know, like you know, I did what I could. Yeah, <laughs> I did what I could. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. So after you graduated from high school, mm -hmm. you came up to Tallahassee to attend FAMU. Yeah. And um, so, what was that transition like coming coming back and already being familiar with it, but this time as a student? You know, how did that all feel? <sighs> I was excited, you know, I was excited. We actually fought really hard to get me in FAMU. Um, I didn't really want to have to use my dad's pool, but ended up having to. But I, okay. my grades weren't so great. And even though I was a, a good student and I was in upper level classes, I didn't perform well in my last semesters of school. And so I didn't come right on. I had to come like 
I was supposed to come in the summer. Okay. And I missed something. I don't know, some form or something. Anyway, I'm packing to come in the fall because I didn't realize I was supposed to have been here like two months before. <laughs> and so I've gotten here and they're like, you don't, you know, you don't have anything. Like, yeah, you accepted, but you were supposed to come in the summer and you didn't come, you know, and and having to, you know, get in to see Dr. Flamer. I remember Dr. Flamer, he was a, he was a lifesaver and try to, you know, use that connection to try to get in, you know, to get in school. And they did, they allowed me to get in and I got like my, um, I had to go through like some remedial things in the beginning to kind of get my GPA up. You know, it was that kind of yeah. thing. But um, And that's what the summer program is right, usually for, right? To help right, you get started on the right foot right, and all that. Right. Well, yeah. I missed all that. <laughs> I don't know how we did. Just, it's a lot going on. You know, it's yeah. a lot in the world. So we just missed that. But, um, but I got here and, um, I was a part of the Family Gospel Choir, and that was amazing to be a part of that group and uh, get to do something that I love to do and um, or used to love to do. I yeah, we say. didn't talk about that, but we, you yeah. said you spent a lot of time in the church, so singing yeah, was yeah. a big part singing of that. Singing was a, a huge part of that. Yeah. That was my job. Okay. <laughs> that was my job. So, um yeah, it was a part of being a part of a choir and realizing that my voice was not as amazing as I thought. <laughs> college <laughs> will do that yeah, to you, Yeah, right? getting to college and finding like, oh my God, it's some amazing singers here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was great. And, uh, and I met my husband in that process. Uh, he wasn't in the choir, but he, he was roommates with someone in the choir. Okay. And so, we met, and um, of course, I'm a good Christian girl, and so it's like, you know, we can't be intimate, you know, you can't do all these things, and um, and so I remember, you know, everyone always was like, you guys, I, we just want to be like you, you know, you guys are such a cute couple, such a sweet couple, and he's, he's amazing, he's a great dad. I was like, listen, if you don't marry me or have a plan to marry me, then we're going to have to break up, because... I can't have sex with you. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and of course, we're young, and that part was, you know, was yeah. right there. And so we were like, he was like, okay, well, I can't marry you. I got a six-year plan. You know, I can't marry you yet. But so I was like, okay, well, find me in six years. You know, if this is what's going to have yeah, to be. pretty clear. Yeah. And so I remember having, like, the worst probably two weeks of my life. Hmm. Um, us being broken up and my friends as well. Everyone's like in vigil in my, in my dorm. I stayed in McGuinn and everyone's in, in vigil. Like, Oh my God, you guys broke up. Like <laughs> they have candles lit no, and stuff, no, you know, the whole thing. It was so sad. It was, it made me more sad. I was like, gosh, I was supposed to be supporting me. What's going on? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm encouraging you. Like, what is, I need you. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was like, you know, I was so miserable and we, we ended up having a, a you know, a different discussion, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of getting deeper into, uh, the whys in our relationship and, yeah. um, you know, how we could make it work, you know, even though I was trying to hold to my, my beliefs, uh, 
And of course he was as well because his, his family were pastors and, you know, so he kind of yeah. understood. And eventually we, um, we kind of undercover got married and then, uh, I got pregnant with my daughter and then we had a, a full on wedding, <laughs> but, um, needless to say that was only within months of us okay. being together. You meet someone, you fall in love, you mm-hmm, get married, mm-hmm. you have a child right away. Yeah. And so how does that impact you at school? What does that do to your plan for your education? Well, I wasn't doing too good in school. So uh, I ended up letting school go and he letting him finish because he was closer to finishing anyway. And so right. that was kind of our plan. And he wanted me to be at home anyway. He was that, you know, he was growing up in that kind of house where mom was home and cooked and, you know, dad went out and, you know, conquered the world or whatever. And so um, we did that for a while. I had, uh, I have three children and I had them. So we made a plan that I would stay home while he finished and then it would, we would kind of, um, compromise in the care of the kids, you know? And so he worked and went to school and then I was, you know, I felt I was losing myself, you know, because no one started, they went to a point where they weren't using my name. I was Jeffrey's wife. I was not Shakafrica or, you know, well, my family calls me calf. Everyone else calls me Shaq. Don't ever use that people. If I see you, I'm Shaq. Okay. (laughs) So calf is the family. Calf is my family name. Well, it's out there now. I know. I know. I know. And so uh, I close friends say that. Okay. So, um, but anyway, he, you know, we made an agreement and I, I wanted to kind of have my own thing because I wasn't, you know, in college. And so I went to barbering school and I was, we were trying to work it out to where he would come home and then I would go to, to Lively and I lived like right a block away from Lively. So I would walk through the path to get to school like when he got home and it was, it was kind of crazy. And so I ended up having to drop out of barbering school. So I'm a barber school dropout. Well, the song when I saw that, I mean, the song "Beauty School Dropouts" is the first thing that popped into my head. But, uh, exactly, and Grease is one of my yeah. favorite <laughs> favorite movies. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but I mean, just I mean, you know, I don't know you well, but I know you in the community mm-hmm. and see you on social media, and every sure. time I see you, you've got a new interesting hairdo, and oh. so I know that that's. <laughs> part of you, you know, yes, that, yes, so I know you yes. must still have an interest in that. Yeah. Right? I, I, I love having my hair done. I'm, I'm, uh, or, you know, in some interesting way. Yeah. So when you, when barbering school didn't work out, mm-hmm. then what, what was the next step after that? Uh, well, I had such a traumatic birth that I started kind of delving into, um, more natural births and, and, you know, so with or, your third child or no with my after my first or so my second okay my second and so I had started kind of getting involved with um, childbirthing yeah and I uh, I ended up getting a job at the birthing center and um, and then in the process I was learning 
uh, Lamaze and the Bradley method, mm -hmm. which is a husband-led method of childbirthing. And um, and then I was in doula training. Like, I was in it. You yeah, know? I saw I the list. You pretty yeah, much yeah. had everything covered. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. So, yeah. and I did breastfeeding. And, um, and I had picked up, like, a little uh, part-time job at uh, the health department. I was, like, a... Uh, gynecological assistant okay. there so you know I was just in it like in that medical nursing kind of thing again that nurturing yeah. part of me and so um I you know I, I I wanted to get into birthing after that so I would work overnight because most babies are <laughs> of course, the most inconvenient right. time. Right. <laughs> as soon as you want to rest, they're like, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I would work overnight. So they would call, you know, um, to, to let you know it was a birth and you go in, you know. And, and so that was part of my life, you know. I would go and, and do that. And, um, and then we were, when my husband was finished with school, we had made an agreement um, that, you know, I was going to go to nursement with free school. He had got a job offer in Birmingham, Alabama, because uh, I had all my kids here in Tallahassee. And um, my oldest was probably about four, three or four by now, and we were leaving. And I was like, I want to go to nur nursement with free school. So we got to Birmingham and, he, you know, got the kids settled a few months in. And I'm ready to go to to midwifery school. And I submit my paperwork and they're like, ma'am, the school is not accepting any new students because uh, I guess the school wasn't doing well or whatever, but they ended the program. Mm. And it was devastating for me. Yeah. Because that's kind of, you know, what we had been kind of hoping to do. And it was my turn, you know, to kind of pursue my dreams and that kind of thing. And so... Um, it left me in a crazy way because I I wanted to do something. I wanted to have my own thing. I, I appreciated being a mom, but I wanted my own thing in the world. Right. And so um, they encouraged me to go to culinary school. My, my ex-husband encouraged me, like, honey, you can do this. You cook for everyone. Because I was the one, you know, for the family I cooked. For the thank for Thanksgiving and and you know I've been cooking my whole life so I was going to ask you probably cooked a lot for your siblings right? oh yeah. yeah oh yeah and and that's kind of where my philosophy too around like you know if you make something and it's bad you eat it you're just going to eat it that time you know right. and then the next time you know better right you know to do better and that's I had to learn like that you know because I had a lot of uh, you know, mishaps in the kitchen, but you know, yeah. we had to eat because we didn't have a lot of food. So you ate it <laughs> and you did better the next time. That's so. right. Yeah. So, uh, that's my, that's one of my little kitchen philosophies, but yeah, he encouraged me to go. And there were those commercials, you know, the culinary school commercials and they show you the chefs on the cruise ships and all this stuff. And you're thinking you're going to go away and you're going to make, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. And, I, he was like, honey, you can do this, you know, just, just try. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't be a chef. I can, you know, I cook at home. I'm a home cook. You know, I'm a, I cook for my family. And he was like, no, you can do it. And just he was working for the gas company in Alabama and still, still does. And he um, ended up 
having the chef, their executive chef for the gas company, write me a letter of recommendation to go to culinary school. Hmm. And that's where my, my culinary that's awesome. yeah. journey began. Okay. When you start, so you went to school, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you got in and you, you graduated and you got two degrees, right? I got two degrees. And yeah. what were those in? Uh, pastry and confectionery and culinary arts. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, what was your goal then? What, what did you do after you graduated and, you know, what were your food goals at that point? My food goals. I mean, well, what, I what kind of job did you want to get? Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to have a upscale soul food restaurant. That was my goal. I mean, that's what I talked about. Uh, you know, while I was in school, I felt like it was a way to take the food that we you know, ate on Sunday, you know, and, and that, that comfort and that soulfulness and put it into a white tablecloth, fine dining establishment. And so, um, and so I created recipes that were like that. Had you you seen a restaurant like that before? Never. Okay. Had never seen it, but I just working, um, while I was in culinary school, I worked in the school's restaurant and uh you know as a server actually and I was able to kind of see some things and having the opportunity to while in culinary school to um our senior year I guess I don't know senior semester we were able to work out of that kitchen creating our own food and so my senior meal was like this lamb over some kind of black eye pea um, hummus. I don't even know. It was some crazy, you know, just something like every infused with just all this southern goodness and the soulfulness that I had had grown up with. And I remember people coming and eating and being like, "This is so good!" Like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" And I was like, "This is soul food." You know, at the end of the day, it's soul food. You know, if you look at, you know, you had black eyed peas and, you know, infused with something and then you had this and they were like, you're absolutely right. This is really soul food, just upscale, you know, done up. And uh, and so I really wanted to capture that, you know, capture the beauty of the South and not just, you know, when people say that or when they hear you say that, they think. Oh, fried chicken, da, da 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 And I don't have any problem with that. I don't despise those things at all. Right. However, there's so much other that is beautiful, you know, so many other things that are beautiful uh, in the way of, of Southern culture and soul food. So those two are two different things, yeah. but uh, are easily uh, uh, combined, uh, you know, especially for, for African-American people. They kind of go hand in hand. And so... You know, I wanted to bring out that the beauty of the South was grown in the South. And so that's part of my story going into the into to food. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what happened with you opening that kind of restaurant? I, You know, as I, I worked in the industry and started, you know, pr- participating more, I got more into catering because I was volunteering during culinary school at a lot of country clubs Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so my actual first job after completing my first um, degree 
was being the executive chef of a uh, swimming tennis club, like a little country club. It was great. I had, but I definitely felt like I was not qualified to do this job. But it again, it still fed into my this like my desire to do it. You know, my love for it and my right. love for seeing people eat. I feel like I'm a warrior when it comes to food. I love watching people eat and especially my own food. And I'm like, oh, yes. this is, You know, and their experiences and their facial expressions. So you're expressions. peeking out from the kitchen to see Oh, yeah. Or oh, I'm out there. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's good. You're not even trying to hide about <laughs> no, it, right? I'm like, it's like, right. It's good. So um, I was like, yeah, I love that. And or hearing, you know, people say things. But I think because when I, um, before me and my husband um, divorced, I had a little catering business, and um, I remember doing an event for one of his friends. It was his friend uh, worked with like the FBI and tech or something, and he invited all his friends uh, to a breakfast. And I, dec- it was like my first like full on catering job with money you know? yeah. <laughs> that I asked for, you know that kind of thing. And so I went all out. I made. Watermelon swans and all me had all kind of bought new equipment. And I mean, I just went all out. And I remember this guy came in and I was back in the back doing something, getting ready to, re- to replenish something. And he comes out, he comes in and he was all like just face off, round up. Yeah, like, who did this? Who, who did this? You know, he's walking through the, the building. And I was like, oh, God, like he, you know, it's kind of yeah. scary. Like, you know, I was a little <laughs> great. And I said, well, me? I'm the... And he was like, thank you. Hmm. He was like, thank you so much. He said, when I came in here, I was so low. I was, I'm, I just was so heavy. Yeah. He said, but I saw this food and how beautifully it's presented. And it just lifted my spirit. And, uh, and that did something to that's me. That's awesome, yeah. You know, and so I've only probably had maybe in my career, you know, 20 plus years of doing this now. I probably have had maybe five or six of those kinds of experiences. But they're enough to encourage me to keep going, right? This episode is sponsored by Locally Loved Tallahassee, formerly Socially Loved. I'm excited to have a partner that has the same general goals of sharing great local stories and can benefit from reaching our audience. I encourage you to be part of their new Facebook group, Locally Love Tallahassee, focused on celebrating local people and places. Join the thousands, including me, who are already on board and sharing stories about what makes Tallahassee so special. So... We're working our way up to your time on Chopped in okay. 2017. Okay. But so wow. in between there, in between there, there was that an easy time for you? Oh, Did you find no. success, or what? What was that time like? <laughs> so I, I was divorced between that time. So graduated from school, I, I got divorced, and I was broke. <laughs> I lost my job, and I was homeless, and I was living in my car. Hmm. And um, my husband, you know, had the, the kids. He had the kids with him, and um, it was a it was a really crazy time. And I was trying to find work and 
trying to, you know, stay close to my kids. I didn't want to have to leave them. I didn't want to have to leave the area. And I remember just kind of getting so low, I was catering from my my hotel room. Mm. And I was across the street from, well, it was like a medical center or whatever. Like, it was across the field. And I was catering for them. Right. And my hotel room was on the same side as they, as like, their their offices. And I was terrified. I was, for one, I was cooking in my, you know, hotel, which is a no-no. <laughs> and I'm trying to pack it up, you know, and put it in the car, you know, and, and then get over to them. And, and I'm seeing people like walking in and out, you know, and I'm like, oh God, please don't, uh, please don't let them see me. Or, yeah. And I just, you know, it was just those kinds of situations trying to make a name for yourself, trying to, you know, let people know who you are. Hopefully, hopefully you get that big break and, you know, and everything is great, you know. And um, I, Again, just got it was so bad. I wasn't, you know, I think we were went into like a recession in there or something. I don't even know, but the right. economy was bad and it was like ph- pharmacies weren't really, I mean, uh, pharmaceutical companies weren't hiring chefs, you know, they were, you know, really taking like the cheapest way they could and they actually had stopped ordering food for the doctors, you know, it was just a whole thing there for a while and it just devastated me. And, um, I ended up having to leave, and I came and stayed with a friend in Huntsville. That's how I got to Huntsville. I stayed with her for a while, and then we ended up, my father bought me a one-way ticket to Tallahassee to care for my grandmother. And I was kind of, I didn't think of it right then, and he didn't tell me it was for my grandmother because my uncle had died, Hmm. and he was like, yeah, I'm getting you a ticket so you can go to come to your uncle's funeral. And I'm like, okay, not realizing I only have a one way. And so in the meantime, I get here and, and the conversation is, well, you know, you're, you don't have anything going on, you know? So I was thinking maybe you could take care of your grandmother, you know, that kind of thing. And I had only packed for like five days. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up being in Tallahassee for almost a year. Before I ever got back to my my clothes. Wow. Um, but um, yeah, I I I stayed with my um, my my grandmother, cared for her, so she got well. But in the process, I ended up getting a job at FAMU, and I was the executive chef at FAMU for three years. Wow. And um, so, how did I mean I? Can't imagine that's an easy job to get. So how how did that happen? No, it wasn't an easy job to get. I was hard, it was hard to get in. But the interesting thing was I had been praying and I was like, God, if this is my job, then you know, just just please open, you know, make create an opportunity or whatever. And so I went, my my aunt was like a um a server for Sodexo, who yeah. was the the uh hospitality company at FAMU. And they, she was like, they're going to do this big job fair. So just come over, you know, and, and try and, you know, and try and see if you can get in. And so I went to fill out the application, done all that. um, And I was leaving. And just as I was leaving, I see the 
regional manager and the GM of the of FAMU. And they were on like one side of the road and I was on the other. And I was like, oh, well, I guess can't talk to them because they're way over there. You know, I can't introduce myself. And I'm saying this in my head and I'm kind of like, well, God, if, I mean, if you they come this way, then I'll say, you know, I'll go and I'll, right. I'll talk to them. And sure enough, it was like they turned right back around and they're coming in my, over into my direction. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I, I, but that's what I said. I was like, I got to honor what I said. So I, I go up and I'm like, hello, you know, my name is Shakafrika Simmons and I'm giving them a whole spiel. And I said, I want to work for you. I'm a chef. I've worked, you know, I was giving him my whole spiel in the yeah. few seconds that I had. And I remember the general manager was like, no, the, the, uh, the regional manager was like, what would you do if you had a belligerent, uh, employee who, who continued to, uh, fight or whatever, you know, get into altercations or whatever. And so I just gave them my spiel. I was like, listen, I'm very calm. You know, I try not to get too worked up. Right. Uh, initially, I would, you know, coach them with maybe a written warning. And then after that, um, they would be dismissed. They'd be fired. And on the spot, he was like, you got the job. <laughs> wow. I guess you said the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got the job. So that gave me my in uh, into FAMU and into the um, into the culinary industry here and... Yeah, it's been it's been a, a an interesting ride being yeah. a part of the the Tallahassee community. In 2017, <laughs> um, you were chosen to compete on the Food Network show Chopped, mm -hmm. which is super popular. I love that show. So, how did you get selected for that? How did you get on their radar to be on the show? Oh gosh, I had been trying to get on their radar for a while, uh, but. I work with Whole Child Leon with Courtney Atkins, and Courtney actually is friends with Linda Lee, who's from the executive producer, and she's from Tallahassee. And they don't really pay attention to Tallahassee much in the way of food. We're not, you know, a foodie city per right. se. Right. So, uh, so it was kind of hard to kind of get her attention. But Whole Child Leon does this. A fundraiser. They had been doing this fundraiser, Chop Junior, and I was one of the judges, and Linda was one of the judges, and Linda's wife, uh, Pam, Pam, Pamela Nelson, was one of the judges, and Art Smith. That was the first year, and I got an opportunity to just talk to her briefly. I wasn't trying to pitch for Chopped. I just, you right. know, we just talked in general, and she asked. Courtney, hey, let me see some more of her stuff. You know, like, did she, and she thought I was adorable. <laughs> so, that helps, right? <laughs> so she gave me an opportunity. I mean, I still had to go through the process, of course, of the, you know, the application and submitting recipes and all that stuff. But it, it did help to have her, you know, kind of paying a little bit of attention and, and being able to, to get some attention on me. Right. So what was the experience like for you? It was exciting, you know. I I had gone through the uh, the interview, the initial interview, and everyone was, you know, very nice or whatever. And then got they came to Tallahassee and they were recording me. I was working in Quincy for AMI Kids. I was doing I was a culinary instructor there, 
uh, for their after school program. And they they came and they recorded, watched us cook, watched me work with the kids and everything. And then um, they were like, wow, you know, at first we didn't know why it was so important to 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 talk to you, you know, to have you on the show. But after seeing you, you know, and talking to you, now we know why it was important for us to come to Tallahassee. I mean, they were in tears. Right. I was in tears. Oh, wow. It was awesome. So, uh, and, and much of the story that you're, we're talking, you know, sharing right now yeah. is what they were able to uh, to hear. And they, um, I mean, it touched their heart. And yeah. that's, that's how we kept moving, moving forward. But on the show... It was crazy. I think I got to that night before, and I was like, why in the heck did I think I could go on chop? Like, why yeah. in the world did I think the I The reality could? of the yeah, pressure like, started setting in. Oh, right? God. I was having a panic attack. I remember I was sitting in Penn Station, and I was starting to break down. Like, it was the, like, yeah, like a night or so before, and I was breaking down. Yeah. I was just like, oh, at home, it's way easier to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Right. And I know, you know, I was, I'm not a fast cook. I'm not that one who goes in and I'm creating these, you know, ultimate masterpieces in 20 minutes. It takes me hours, you know, it takes all of us hours. But you're not going to have hours on hours, the show. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, so yeah, I'm starting to feel that, you know, the nervousness and just the, the, the weight of it, you yeah. know. But it's the, the the moments that I had met in many parts of my life. You know, I had been in those moments where I didn't think I was good enough. And and then I did it. And then I was like, I am. You know, I yeah. am good enough. And sometimes, you know, in our lives, we just have to push forward, even if we're afraid. You know, you have to use it. It's like energy. You know, like you have to use that that fear to kind of thrust you forward instead of allowing it to push you back. Right. Even when you're, you know, getting in these places of adversity, things aren't working, um, you can't give up. You know, you, you take your time, you lick your wound if you need to, and then you get up. And then right. you, you know, you pivot. You you do what you got. I always say, I'm like water. You know, if, if I can't go forward, I'm going to go to the side. If I can't go to the side, you know, it, whatever way, whatever corner, nook and cranny that you open up, right? I'm going to try to get through it. Yeah. And pull some more people with me if I can. Yeah. <laughs> so, spoiler alert, if somebody's going to go look it up, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you win. I win. Which is pretty amazing. So, <laughs> um, at, at some point in the show, I mean, as I imagine as you get through each round, mm-hmm. some there's some confidence building, right? Yeah. And so it, at some point, did you think, hey, I can win this thing? You know what? My strategy for going on CHOP was, for one, don't get cut in the first round. That was first. Right. <laughs> you don't want <laughs> that walk of shame, nothing right? nothing else. Yeah, yeah, if nothing else, you can go away right. and say, at least I didn't get cut first, though. Right. You know? Second was... I had talked to Art Smith because Art Smith has one chopped a couple of times and I called him and I was like, Art, what do you, what do you, what did you do? Like, how did you get ready? And he said, I did what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. He said, it's going to be a lot of impressive stuff in there. If you don't know how to use it, don't try. He was like, stay true and authentic to who you are. Right. And that kept ringing in my head. Be authentic. Be authentic. And when I went in that chop kitchen with everything you could think of at your disposal, 
I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I own a micro business. You know what I mean? So I was like, I don't have an ice cream machine. I don't have, you know, I don't have all these things. I have a food processor. I have a blender, you know, right. and if you watch the show, those are the two things that I focus with, you know, the two things I use, right? So, um, and but that was the thing that kind of just kept ringing in my head. And then I was on again. So I went back to CHOP um, in January. Okay, I didn't this know that. Year. Mm-hmm. And it aired in, in May. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how'd you do on that one? I didn't win this time. But I did. Uh, did you get, get past the first round? I did get past okay, the good, first good. round. I did. I got past the first round. It was a beat the judge. So yeah. it was a little different. Sure. It was a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first time after you won mm-hmm. and you come back from New York yeah. and you know you've won. Yeah. How long did you have to keep it secret from everybody? Uh, Three months. Did you tell anybody? I will never say that. There's a statute of limitations. You can't get in trouble now. But okay. So I'm going to take that. Maybe someone extremely trusted may have known. Right. People, people knew and they just, and you know, just, they knew. And I, and I, I kind of was just like. Without you having to say it. Right. Yeah. You know, like. (laughs) Making a little eye. Yeah. yeah. It's the side, not that side. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's a $750,000, uh. Penalty, man. Is there really? Yeah. 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 You they don't, don't want like that. Which is more than 10000 Right. So. <laughs> the 10000 They would have taken all of that and more. Huh? Yeah. So they don't want that. <laughs> all right. Well, congratulations. That's Thank pretty you. awesome to have done that. Thank so you. So you come back to town. Mm-hmm. You, um, I mean, you get a lot of accolades. You get a key to the city. Yeah. You're on magazine covers. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, you're kind of riding high on this and you probably have Great expectations that this is going to launch into some awesome stuff. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about those next really two, three years. What what did it look like when you came back? So and so one thing Art said to me before I went on the show as well was, "Don't go thinking you're going to become like some millionaire. Mm-hmm. You know, you still got to put in work." Uh, and in my mind, I'm like, "I hear you. I hear you." But this is big, you know. I'm, this is there's not very many black women chefs who who you know who are have are on there, let alone you know win. Right. So um, when I won, I was like, yes, this is you know it's gonna. I was just thinking it was gonna make things a heck of a lot easier, and I was so very wrong. I still wasn't valued. In a certain way, like I know the community, many in the community love me and support me, and I, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, but it was, I, I still struggle. You know, I still had a, a very serious struggle. Still um, dealt with and deal with um, poverty because I am an entrepreneur. You know, and so when money isn't flowing, whether it's from you know right after chopped or today, you know it. I'm always in that, you know, feast or famine situation right. where it could easily, um, I could easily be, you know, devastated. So, I, but I really thought that being the winner of Chopped would would afford me more. I guess that I don't, I don't think I've had access to. Like being an African American woman in the city and having one Chopped, I won Chopped. And I think I was like on the fourth page of the paper. I was inside the paper. Mm-hmm. 
But some guy was just on MasterChef. He wasn't the winner. He just was on it. And he was on the cover. Right. It was the same day. <laughs> we released the same oh, wow. day. Or a few days. And, and, and I was just like, wow. You know, like, it kind of, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love William. But I'm just, it just, those kinds of things um, are real. You know, they, right. they, they, I see them all the time. You know, it doesn't. Because I, I still have to prove myself. You know, I still have to prove that I'm worthy of being in the space, you know, of carrying the title of Chop Champion or that I'm able to be this chef. People ask me, are you a real chef? You know, and it's like, yes, I have the the loans and everything to prove <laughs> it. Like, I the bills. Right. Yeah, As opposed but, to what? I mean, I don't know. Like, because people will say, I'm, you know, oh, you're the cook. And I'm to the point now where, don't get me wrong, I'm not arrogant, but. But you earn you, the title chef. I earn the title of chef. Yeah. My my mom cooks, you know, and yeah. people who, who love cooking and they haven't done the, the due diligence of going to culinary school, or even if they didn't choose to go to culinary school, but have have committed themselves to the process of learning, even if right. they're a work, what they call a working chef, where they worked into the title. I'd, I've done all those things. And and so you wouldn't walk in your doctor's office and call them, you know, Bill Joe. or Joe or whatever. Right. You <laughs> right. wouldn't. You say Dr. Joe. Or There's Dr. a respect right. earned for the title. So yeah. I just, I say, I feel, I, you know, 80000 plus dollars in debt. I feel like I, you got to call me a chef. You so know? you think... <laughs> As an African American woman, that that people are more reluctant to give you that respect and that title than if you were a a white man or yeah. some some something different. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why it's so important for me um, to be in these spaces. You mm. know, like going back to chop. I don't want to be that chef who's running after these little titles or whatever. Um, I think I've, I proved enough going to chop, winning, going again, and and doing really well. Yeah. Um, but it's still a, a, about representation. It was for me, you know, when I went to culinary school, I had, I was so afraid. I had never seen anyone that looked like me in that kind of a position. And it was that one person, you know, my one culinary instructor, Denny Streeter, uh, who let me know like just seeing her with conf walk through those halls with confidence um you know even among her white counterparts you know mostly white males but you uh, saw what you could be but i right? saw what i could be in her so right now i'm i mentor about 15 young chefs um uh, who are at different levels in their career and um, one actually has gone on to win, win chopped, and she wasn't. She was. She didn't go to culinary school. She worked her way up, uh, and it was committed to the process. And so, that's what you know. I, I always say I I, um, I create stars, you know, because yeah. <laughs> I have so many that are doing so well. But um, I want to be that. You know, those those people. Who you know go on and they forget that it's somebody behind you who needs you. You know they need to know that they can do it just like you did. Yeah, well, that's an awesome legacy. That Thank that's you. something to be really proud of. Thank you. Yeah, 
I saw an article in the Democrat that when you were featured as one of the, you know, very highly impacted businesses from COVID, you know, restaurants have been some of the hardest hit, Mm -hmm. but at least they, restaurants have the ability, most of them, Mm -hmm. to do curbside pickup. There are ways, there have been collaborations, ways to generate income, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but as a caterer, and as a personal chef mm-hmm. or, you know, doing special events. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that do to your business? It it devastated my business. I mean, I, I don't even know another way to say it. It You know, we're a micro business struggling already, you know. And then early in the year is slow for us because we've just come off of Christmas and the holiday. And so we've kind of had that. Boom, you know, and then we kind of have that, those few months of lean, that's what I call them. Right. Uh, and so January and February are those months for us. And so then we started feeling the, the effects of COVID in February because it was talk about it. You know, there was some chatter. And so some of our like corporate, more like our larger um, clients, we're like, oh, we don't know, you know, we're, right. we're going to book that event or we're going to, you know, we're going to hold out a little bit. And many held out and we had, you know, over $45,000 on the table, you know, that disappeared. Hmm. We were waiting. We were and I had it was crazy because I had moved out of my um, my my apartment and I was in, I was actually staying with a friend. Because we were like, well, these months, you know, by the time March, February, March, we'll have, you know, the money and then we'll move, you know, into into the new spot. And it was like all of that went away. You know, all of those opportunities to come up, you know, a little bit and and kind of reestablish were kind of up in the air. And they still are to this very day. I don't I'm, I'm technically homeless. So um, it's been very hard, and I haven't gotten the PPPs and the EIDL loans and all that stuff. I didn't qualify for one of the local, um, something the city, I think right, the city yeah. did. I didn't qualify for that because I didn't have a light bill in my name. and It was okay. just stuff, you know, just little things that are very discouraging, you know, um, that can that can can devastate you. And for a long time, I wasn't getting unemployment either. I feel like I have enough bright moments to just keep pushing for the for the one, you know, for the one that's going to set me up. And, and, and I've tried to take this opportunity to to never be in this position again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to position myself um, where. I have what I need, you know, and in, in, in a in a pandemic or a bad economy or whatever you mean, won't be the, the ability thing. to set something aside, you mean? Yeah. Or, or and and just to be uh in a position where I'm not impacted so harshly right. by things like this, you know, uh and by the turns of life, you know, that I'll have enough um money or or just things in place to where I'm stable and my family can be you know stable as well i still have three children you know they're grown but i do right <laughs> you know well that's a good i do want to 
I do want to talk about that. I want you to have an opportunity to tell us about sure. your three children because sure. I'm sure there's some motherly pride there involved. So <laughs> yeah, so, so please tell me about your three kids. <laughs> so um, my my oldest daughter is uh, uh, Janishua. We call her Kiki. Uh, she's amazing. She's a nurturer like mom. Um, just a, a, a beautiful, artistic, uh, creative child. Um Loves children, has worked with children uh, quite a bit. Now she she builds parts for the the country for the for the the army or whatever. I don't know. She just <laughs> you know it's all secrets. So I ain't gonna say nothing. Yeah. But <laughs> but she does that kind of thing. And then my uh, my uh, youngest daughter, second child, Jada, uh, is again an artistic. She paints. She uh, builds sets. And uh, she actually attended TCC for theater. For theater. Mm. Um, and my um, son, and I, did I tell those ages? So my oldest daughter is 26. Okay. My uh, youngest daughter, Jada, is 25. And my son is 23. And my son actually followed in the footsteps of, of the family and went to FAMU. Uh, and he graduated from FAMU uh, last year with uh, a degree in, poli- in political science. Okay. And he's attending American University now in D.C. Uh, he's a Wrangell Scholar. So he... Uh, and what's his name? His name is Jeffrey. Jeffrey, okay. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey. And he uh, he wants to be a diplomat for the U.N. So he's oh. been working. That's he awesome. got that State Department... Uh, Grant and he'll be doing some work with the State Department. So, yeah, the kids are are awesome. Okay, the other thing that I know that you care a lot about, and I meant to ask you about this earlier, mm-hmm. and I know also that who knows what it's going to look like in the future. Sure. But I did want to ask you about Chef Shack LLC mm-hmm. and the Umbrella. I know you've got a lot of really cool brands and yes. a lot of a lot of things going on. So I wanted to give you a chance to kind of. Just give me an overview of, of what you got going on there. Yeah, so so Chef Shack LLC is kind of our overarching mother company uh, for Chef Shack Catering, uh, for uh, Get Shacked, which is our beverage line. And we have about, about 20 beverages that we make um, from fresh fruit, um, herbs. Uh, so we do infused teas, waters, and lemonades and limeades. Uh, we have a seasoning blend that's under the Get Shacked brand as well. Uh, it's an all-purpose seasoning, and we are actually in the testing processes. So it's been exciting okay. getting the the, the, the um, blends coming in from the uh, from the blending company, and yeah. um, so we're in the testing with that. But it's it's amazing. We've let some chefs try it out, and some folks we know that you know enjoy cooking, and and they're really um, you know digging it. So yeah. Uh, and then um, we have our Life Chef, which is kind of like a food coaching. And we go in, but we, we deal with more than just the food part. We deal with your life, you know, how you, how you, which, what do you do when you wake up? What do you, how are you moving through the day? That's Life Chef. And that's kind of a one-on-one. So you work with me. Okay. Empowered by Food is our kind of community outreach program where we go into the community and we do cooking demonstrations. So my partner, uh, Chef 
Chef uh, Katricia Washington, Chef K, everyone knows her as Chef K. She works hand in hand with me uh, in the catering, well, most of it, but with the catering, definitely. And then she does uh, some of the uh, demonstrations with um, Empire by Food. Right. The podcast is named How I Got Here, and we've you know spent some time talking about how you reach this point in your life. Yeah. So where do you think here might be for you in three to five years from now? You know, food is so uh, so much of my uh, life, you know, um, but I love history. And so I'm, I'm really interested in going uh, back to school for, uh, for food history uh, and getting a degree in food history. And um, because I think we're more alike than we realize and, and so many of our threads kind of go together right. um, and, and we're, we're so much the same everywhere we go. Everywhere I've gone and I've tried the food or cooked the food or whatever and, and come back like that's the same. You know, that's the <laughs> same thing. Like right. we use those same ingredients or we might use one thing different, you know. So, um, so I, I find myself, you know, more digging more into the not just the, the, the actual hands-on cooking side of it, but the history of it, right. uh, and um, and of course bringing more awareness to um, the African Americans that are have done such great work uh, in the industry. And, and I guess I am so consumed with business and with food because it is my business. Uh, and my life. People might not, you know, they just like, oh, I just want to get full, you know, and I just want to eat. But we don't just want to feed you. We want to nourish you. And we want you to go away feeling like we cared. <laughs> you you got something from us that we would give our own, ourselves and our own family. Maybe sometimes y'all eat better than us, you know, like definitely I know. <laughs> By the time I'm done cooking, I'm exhausted. That was Chef Shack. If you have not seen her episode on Chopped, I encourage you to watch it online. It really is cool to see one of our own showcase her talents on a national stage. Thanks for listening to the show. You can subscribe at Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Thanks to my amazing staff at Fiori Communications, who pick up the slack while I'm working on these podcasts, and to Troy Bloom for composing our theme music. You can hear more of Troy's creations on Facebook and Instagram at Troy Bloom Music. To connect with the podcast or suggest a future guest, follow us on social media or email us at podcast at fioricommunications.com.